millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am! I'm very ready! Let's go! All right, let's give it a whirl! Okay! And I just want to say hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here, wherever you are in the world. We're just so happy and honored that you've chosen to listen to our podcast today. Uh, yes, uh, we're so happy that we have this following uh, all over this uh, great country of ours, all over this wonderful world. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and if this is your first episode, uh, well, uh, we're going to be doing things a little more uh, differently than we usually do. Mm -hmm. um, but the basic concept is that uh, I will give the astrological birth data. Uh, this time it will be of a specific event. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, the event, uh, where all the stars and planets were, uh, when two figures who we've already talked about met uh, so uh, we will look at the date we'll look at the sinistry the compatibility between these two figures uh, and then I will go into the history of this uh, rather uh, famous meeting uh, and then we will uh, come together at the end and uh, see uh, how accurate uh, our chart was showing uh, what this event would look like uh, so without uh, any further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, so this is an event. All right. So let's see. I'll pull that up. Okay. And so this is... Um... <laughs> I don't know if it's romantic or not, but okay. Uh, what is the day? Uh, it is the 21st uh -huh. of December. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. 1970. Ooh, okay. Do we have a time? Do you want to pick a time for it? 30 p.m. All right. All right. And where? Uh, the United States. Okay. 
Okay, in the town? Washington, D.C. Okay. Let's see what this looks like. All right. Okay, so I'm just... Um, I think that went to... Let me check this real quick. All right, so whatever this chart is, it does have an interception on Placidus houses. Um, interesting. We have two Cancer and two Capricorn. You see that, Chandler? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now lately I've just been in the mood to just read Placidus. <laughs> just read them. <laughs> Okay, so this is a Placidus house chart, uh, Western Tropical with an interception. And um, so that interception is going to be um, Pisces and Virgo are intercepted. Uh, so this particular chart uh, has Aries rising. And we'll talk about the chart a little bit first, and then we're going to talk about the people. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. All right. So this chart has sun at 29 degrees Sagittarius. So that is a very important degree. All right. And uh, because zero degrees and 29 degrees of any sign are very powerful, significant degrees. Um, the moon is at eight degrees Libra. Mercury is at 13 degrees Capricorn. Venus is at 17 degrees Scorpio. Mars is at nine degrees Scorpio. Jupiter is at 25 degrees Scorpio. Saturn is at 16 degrees Taurus. Uranus is at 13 degrees Libra. Neptune is at one degree Sag. Pluto is at 29 degrees Virgo, which is very interesting because you have Pluto um, squaring the sun. Pluto at 29 degrees Virgo squaring the sun at 29 degrees Sag that day. Chiron is at 5 degrees Aries. And they have Aries rising at 8 degrees. Or that's what happened on this day. Mm -hmm. This is the day whoever these people are met. And... Um, uh, these people, uh, or this, on this day, at this time, uh, with Aries rising, uh, put Aries on the first house cusp. And, uh, because we're doing Placidus houses and not whole house or, uh, houses, Saturn at 16 degrees, Taurus is in the first house. So that would put kind of a, Saturn tends to make people seem more mature. And um, on the first house cusp, it could make uh, for a more mature appearance. It's hard to describe how that works for a day, but um, that's what's happening at this time on that day. So I guess if you were to say, this is the day this relationship began between these people. These people would have kind of a mature 
way about them, but also kind of a romantic way about them because it's in Taurus and Taurus is ruled by Venus. So they, it would seem romantic. It would seem pretty. It would seem sensual. It would seem mm, maybe even uh, kind of uh, wealthy. Um, second house cusp is Taurus and there's nothing in the second house. Um, but with your second house cusp being Taurus, there should be good finances involved in this, I guess, relationship. Um, third house cusp is Gemini and third house is ruled by Gemini. Uh, so they should have very good communication. Fourth house cusp is Cancer and fourth house is ruled by cancer. Even though there's nothing in the second, third, or fourth houses, the house cusp ruler does make a really significant difference. So, um, if we're using this as a barometer, then their home and their family and things like this would have been, should have been very cordial, very nurturing. Now we get to fifth house cusp is also cancer. So there isn't anything in the fifth house, but it is going to give you that double cancer here that is going to give you some extra nurturing, double nurturing. Um, yours, that puts your sixth house cusp on Leo, which is going to have a dramatic way of working. There could be show business involved. There could be leadership involved. There could be also just in general, uh, entertaining as the work maybe, or somehow entertaining is involved with the work. It is Leo. So it's going to be mm, kind of bright and shiny work and, benevolent in their offerings of, um, you know, entertaining. When Leo's entertain, you have every kind of food, you have every kind of, um, decorations, you know, it's, it's more extravagant. It, they, they really go into <laughs> a lot of, a lot of stuff when they entertain. Um, we have the entire Virgo house here. You see this Chandler? Mm -hmm. housed in the sixth house, but it doesn't have an access point per se, except that Pluto is at 29 degrees Virgo, still held within this house, all right? Because their moon is in Libra. It is still inside of this big giant house, okay? So this house cusp is Libra. The seventh house cusp is Libra. Their moon is in Libra at eight degrees. And there's going to be something really significant about this Pluto squaring this sun. Okay. These two 29 degree <laughs> Pluto and the sun, that, that's a big deal. And um, then Uranus in Libra conjunct the moon on this day is unexpected things happening in partnerships in general at this time on this day in this place. Um, 
In this seventh house, we have Uranus in Libra at 13 degrees, Mars in Scorpio at 9 degrees, conjunct Venus in Scorpio at 17 degrees. Whew. That's a lot. That's a, a lot of romance. A lot of attraction. Um, that's very interesting. Uh, eighth house cusp is Scorpio. And the eighth house is ruled by Scorpio. And in their eighth house, they have their Jupiter at 25 degrees Scorpio, but they also have their Neptune at one degree Sagittarius in the eighth house. So, wow, that is um, like benevolence with inheritances, fame, um, uh, but also a very interesting dark side and hidden things. And because it's extra, you know, because you have Neptune here and Neptune always makes everything sort of like you're looking at it through water. You know what I mean? Like you're looking at something, but between you and that is this fog or murky water or whatever and magical. There's something, there's something with illusion or deception or something like that having to do with eighth house, which is, um, legacy and, um, inheritance and hidden things and, um, sexuality and, uh, secret things, something about this whole deal. Then ninth house cusp is, Sagittarius, and they have the sun at 29 degrees in the ninth house. The sun in the ninth house, ruled by Sagittarius, its home house, is going to be very significant because that's going to provide a lot of philosophy, a lot of higher education, a lot of... Uh, Bravado in the way that it is brave, brave, like a Sagittarius that will ride into it, you know, straight for it, not afraid. Um, very interesting. Their Midhaven is in Capricorn. Uh, and their 10th house cusp is Capricorn and they have... Mercury in Capricorn in the 10th house. So that's something about communication because it's Mercury and Capricorn, which is business and work, but also ruled by Saturn, which is restrictive, but also business because Capricorn rules the 10th house, which is your house of career and fame and how people out in the world see you. And then we have a double tenth. We have the 11th house cusp is also Capricorn. And that puts um, a lot of business emphasis on groups of people. Is any of this making sense? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, business emphasis on groups of people. Okay. 
uh, because the 11th house is ruled by Aquarius and Uranus. And their 11th house cusp is Capricorn. But uh, they do have their north node in Aquarius in the 11th house. So they would have had some sort of uh, passion or desire or direction to deal with groups of people in a humanitarian way. Then their 12th house cusp is in Aquarius, but their entire uh, Pisces 12th house is encapsulated within that. And the only planet that they have in their 12th house is Chiron in Aries in the 12th house. So 12th house is karma and past lives and institutions like hospitals and schools and uh, things like that. And also um, foreign foreign interaction and uh, they have Chiron which is the planet I mean Chiron is an asteroid of uh, the wounded healer which is taking wounds from either a past life especially since it's in the 12th house or the past and healing them uh, through that knowledge and it is something that has to do with Martian things, healing things that come from war or warriors or um, uh, Mars is very passionate. <laughs> Everything Mars does is passion. So it could be, it could be sexuality. It could be, um, anything that's passionate, anger, uh, but also like just, it's all the extremes, you know, whatever you can be passionate about, happiness, whatever, but it's going to be really intense, you know, is this making sense so far? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, I want to open this in another window. Do you have any questions about this so far? Uh, so before we get into revealing, I will just let you know that um, these are two Capricorns. Uh, so in fact, they nearly share a birthday. It's just one day apart. Wow. Um, okay. Is uh, but years apart. Uh, but mm -hmm. the actual date um, is near, just one day apart, and they're both born in early January. Uh, okay. Is there anything that you can tell? just from that knowledge uh, of how. Well, their Capricorn planets would fall in the 10th house, which would be career. So if this is a business partnership uh, or some kind of other than romantic partnership, um, I would say that um, this is actually really good for them because uh, Sagittarius doesn't really aspect Capricorn in a bad way. Um, Scorpio sextiles Capricorn, so that's really good. Libra does square it, so there could be some interesting, unexpected things that happen with the Libra. And but I mean, I don't know what their charts are, so we'll have to see what their charts are because they could have 
whole bunch of stuff. But their Capricorns all going to fall in this house right here. In this house. It's going to fall in these, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is career. Business. Do you have any questions? No. Okay, so I'm going to open this in another tab. And pull up whoever we're dealing with right now. Who are we? Who's the first one? So this. How far up is it? This is the day that Elvis Presley met uh -huh. President Richard Nixon. Oh, okay. The most powerful man in the free world met the President of the United States. Okay. All right, so let's look at this. Uh, let me check. Yes. So Elvis's planets are going to be on the outside. Okay. So Nixon has Virgo rising. All right. And... Elvis's Midhaven falls in his first house, and Elvis's Mars also falls in his first house, which is interesting. Um, because Elvis has Mars in Libra, which is really not um, that. I mean, I don't know. I think that Mars in Libra is sort of. Uh, a Mars that would be, you know, really be fair, a very fair thing, right? Um, then uh, Elvis's Jupiter falls in his third house, which would be really good for communication, okay, between the two of them. Uh, Elvis's ascendant also falls in his third house. So maybe this meeting, for whatever reason that they did this, um, I mean, I did, they did it because they wanted to, you know, but I mean, it definitely has communication all about it. Like, you know, uh, maybe for the media or whatever, you know, and then Elvis's son falls in Nixon's fourth house. So they would have been very comfortable together as, as, you know, conversationalists, you know, um, Elvis's Mercury, Venus and North node fall into Nixon's fifth house. Uh, again, this would have been cordial, kind of easy. Um, but also kind of good for Elvis's career, too. You know, fifth house. Um, Elvis's Saturn and moon fall into Nixon's sixth house, which would have been really good for work, working together, you know? Um, Elvis's moon 
is in Pisces and Nixon's moon is in Aquarius. That's interesting because Nixon has his own moon in his own sixth house. Um, Elvis's Uranus falls in Nixon's eighth house. Very interesting. Um, Elvis's Chiron falls in Nixon's ninth house which would have been very healing for Nixon in his spiritual self, if there was anything spiritual in there, you know, and also just healing in general. It doesn't have to be spirit. Well, it is kind of, Chiron is kind of spiritually healing. And it's in Gemini, again, for communication, maybe healing Nixon's media presence, perhaps. And then Elvis's Pluto falls in Nixon's 11th house, which would have brought power to Nixon's presence with groups of people. And his Elvis's Neptune falls in Nixon's 12th house, which would have brought uh, insight, like... Um, maybe, um, some kind of insight into Nixon's, um, I don't know, maybe it's just karmic, but, um, I have to think about how that Neptune in the 12th house in Virgo, uh, he might have just been kind of that's like unusual karma right well neptune is illusion right Mm. neptune is illusion so he's he his he's what what elvis is doing is bringing these things in right Mm -hmm. so everything that i'm showing you he's bringing it to the table it's like if you have a potato salad and deviled eggs on the table right Mm-hmm. in the left-hand corner of the room and I bring uh, brownies and um, chocolate chip cookies. You see what I mean? Uh, it has to do with each house because this is, you know, each house has to do with what they're doing. But Neptune, yes, it is karma, but Neptune is illusion. Neptune is... Um, the veil Neptune is also kind of starstruck. You know what I mean? So I want, I almost want to say that maybe Elvis brought that kind of starstruck thing to Nixon, maybe. Do you have any questions about this? This one is Nixon's chart with Elvis on the outside of it. So uh, just w- overview how would Nixon view Elvis? Well, I think they would get along. They seem like they don't have any major issues that I'm seeing. But again, I only I don't I'm not going to look at all the squares and all that. I'm just looking, you know, at the planets and the houses, which look very good. You know, basically, uh, you see where Nixon has his planets here and Elvis's planets are right alongside those. You know, a you lot think of that's Elvis's partially because they nearly share a birthday. 
No, because, well, I mean, it can be for certain planets, but, um, I mean, they, they, there's a lot more at play. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. All right. So Nixon, this is, these are Nixon's planets. Okay. His Mars, his Mercury and his Jupiter all fall into Elvis's first house. All right. Uh, so I think honestly for, I think Elvis was really mm, probably very honored. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To meet, to meet uh, the president. I don't know how many presidents he met. Maybe he met all of them. I don't know. But, um, when Mercury and Jupiter and Mars fall into your first house, you know, of the other person, that can be very good. It, the, wor the worst case scenario is that Nixon's Mars in the first house could be an issue, but because there's Jupiter and Mercury there, I think it would be good, you know? Um, interesting. And then Nixon's son falls into Elvis's second house, which is conjunct Elvis's son, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Nixon's Uranus falls into Elvis's second house. And Nixon's Uranus is in Aquarius. And Elvis has North Node in Aquarius. So Nixon's North Node is conjunct I mean, uh, Nixon's Uranus in Aquarius is conjunct Elvis's North Node in Aquarius in the second house. Very interesting. Um, somehow Nixon could uh, jumpstart Elvis's North Node, which is very interesting. Then um, Nixon's moon falls in Elvis's second house as well. So that's a lot that has to do with values and valuables and people, you know, groups of people, because it's humanity, it's Aquarius, right? Humanitarian things. And then um, Elvis's Venus and Chiron in Pisces fall into, wait, no. Nixon's Venus and Chiron fall into Elvis's third house. All right. And that is a very good healing conversation. And um, I think healing because Nixon's Venus and Chiron are in Pisces. So it's very nice. And then Nixon's North Node falls in Elvis's fourth house, which is uh, ruled by Mars. I mean, it, the North Node is in Mars. The fourth house for Elvis is ruled by Pisces because it's Blasidus houses. But um, this could be like camaraderie over how you protect, how you... Um, how you protect the country, you know, your community. And then Nixon's 
none of Nixon doesn't have anything in Elvis's fifth house, but Nixon has Saturn in Elvis's sixth house of work. Uh, and Elvis has Chiron there in Gemini. And Nixon has Saturn in Taurus there. Very interesting. Because Nixon would have brought sort of that fatherly... Um, no, I think it's more of a, you know, Elvis was respectful. You know what I mean? In a fatherly way, would have been to Nixon. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Uh, then Nixon's Midhaven falls into Elvis's seventh house, which is, you know, his career, his, um, what he shows the outer world, uh, is in, you know, kind of like partnership with Elvis. But Nixon also has his natal Pluto in Elvis's seventh house, which would have brought power to a partnership. You know what I mean? Worst case scenario, if they didn't get along, it would bring uh, death and rebirth, like tearing something down and rebuilding it. But I'm going to say power in this situation. Because they just met once. I mean, they, they weren't like best friends and went on vacations together or anything. I mean, they might have met more than once, but you know what I mean. And then um, Nixon's Neptune in Cancer falls into Elvis's eighth house and is pretty much conjunct his Pluto in the eighth house, which is creativity with regard to power interesting and nurturing because it's in cancer and then um nixon's ascendant falls into elvis's ninth house and is conjunct his neptune in virgo again very interesting exchange because Neptune in Virgo already is um, a bit difficult because Virgos like to be really precise and Neptune is creative and dreamy and uh, that ascendant does bring some light or shines a light onto this ninth house. And then that's it for all of the planets that Nixon has uh, in Elvis's houses. Just from everything that you've seen, uh, mm -hmm. what is your overall view of uh, the two these two meeting on this day? What kind of relationship do you think they would have had? I would think it would be very cordial and very respectful. There was a mutual respect. Uh, there was a mutual admiration. There was a mutual love of the country and wanting to protect it. Uh, a lot of mutual agreeable things happening. Does that make sense? Because I don't know what happened that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was little. 
Are there any other uh, final first impressions that you get? But I mean, Nixon met a lot of very important people. So, but I don't know. I don't know where Elvis all this falls being on the that. most important of all. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Chairman so, Mao, eat your heart out. <laughs> do you have any questions for any of this? Mm-mm. Have I have I answered what you were looking for? What you're, you know, trying to get yeah. to? Oh, okay. Because I'm really excited to hear what what happened. Because I'm sure that's what you're going to tell us, is what Mm -hmm. happened. And people are probably just waiting and chomping at the bit to find out what happened. (laughs) Yes. So, um, the meeting of Richard Nixon and Elvis Presley, the picture that was taken of the two of them, uh, to this day is the most requested picture in all of American history. Uh, from the National Archives. Uh, so people go to Washington and specifically request, and it is a huge cash cow for them to put that picture on T-shirts and mugs and everything. Um, a lot of people don't understand why this meeting took place, um, what did these two have in common, what was going on, and that includes most of the people who put the meeting together. Uh, so... The story of this fateful meeting uh, begins uh, somewhere during the weekend of December 19th, 1970. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of Elvis's, uh, what would be colloquially called the Memphis Mafia, uh, (laughs) was a man named uh, Jerry Schilling. And so Jerry has uh, one of the uh, best accounts of what happened from the Elvis point of view. So his account starts Saturday, December 19th at 1.30 in the morning. He gets a call. He's living in California. He doesn't work for Elvis at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did for a while, but he's trying to uh, become a film editor in Hollywood. Uh, And so he's out in California, and he gets a call from Elvis. Mm -hmm. And Elvis is at an airport mm-hmm. and he is alone mm-hmm. uh, which was very rare elvis mm-hmm. never traveled by himself um all he has is one american express card and three guns <laughs> and uh elvis calls jerry and says i'm coming to los angeles i need you to pick me up from the airport mm-hmm. and uh jerry goes to the airport when the airplane lands and uh one of the Great. I mean, it really shows you what the difference was in travel in 1970. <laughs> um, Elvis has his three guns, uh, and he boards the plane with the three guns. <laughs> oh, no. And Elvis gets upset because there is a steward with a uh, very tight, pencil-thin mustache who comes up to him and says that you have to get rid of the guns you have to check the guns and uh elvis has all these batches from all these law enforcement agencies he has concealed carry permits uh-huh. uh he sees no reason why he can't have his three guns on the airplane <laughs> uh and he gets so upset he starts to leave the plane mm-hmm. and as he's leaving the pilot stops him and the pilot mm-hmm. says don't worry about him sir please keep your guns mm-hmm. go sit back down mm-hmm. we're honored okay. to have you on this flight Why is Elvis not on his own plane right now? Well, that's the thing. So I'll I'll get to that in a second. But but, uh, Elvis is getting on this commercial flight and he uh, goes to uh, Los Angeles. Now, Elvis had left Memphis 
on this commercial flight. He had gone to Washington already and then got another flight to go all the way across the country to Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. So, I'm just visualizing Elvis on a plane, fully decked out, cape uh-huh. and everything, uh-huh. with three gr- three guns strapped to him with his uh-huh. sunglasses on. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what... <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so... Uh, he the, Jerry picks him up, and they get to uh, uh, Sunday, December twentieth. There at Elvis's old home in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and Elvis just opens up to Jerry. They're catching up, two old friends drinking coffee, and Elvis had just had enough. Uh, everyone was telling him not to spend his money, and uh-huh. he wanted to spend his money by giving gifts to everyone. Yes, and Vernon and uh, his father and Priscilla and Colonel. Uh, Parker had all gotten on him and had had a big argument with him because he was buying too many presents because it's the holidays. It's December 20th. We're getting up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he he's a, a grown man, mm-hmm. uh, nearly 40. He's mm-hmm. going to spend his money however he wants. Mm-hmm. And so he got so upset with all of them, he left. He didn't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, and he just went and he went and he drove to the airport uh-huh. and he just got on a plane. And that all first right. plane was going to Washington. And then the second one went to Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. So, um the uh they're having this conversation Jerry and Elvis and Elvis says um that he needs to go back to Washington, that he has mm-hmm. a mission that he needs to accomplish there uh, in Washington DC and that he wants Jerry to go with him. Mm-hmm. Well, Jerry Schilling needs to go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh working for Paramount uh, as a understudy film editor mm-hmm. uh and so jerry makes a deal he says okay e i will uh i'll go with you to washington if you let me uh call graceland and let them know that you're all right mm-hmm. and have them send uh one of the other memphis mafia guys out uh to dc to meet with you and then i'll go back uh to to la after that mm-hmm. so they make this deal <laughs> and uh, uh before Elvis leaves the home uh there's this uh, uh the this gift that he's going to give uh to whoever he's meeting Jerry doesn't know uh mm-hmm. that is hanging up on his wall and so he picks up this case and uh, I'll tell you what's in the case a little bit later but he <laughs> picks up the case and uh, he brings it with him uh-huh. Uh, and so they go to the airport and they get, uh, well, before they get to the airport, they have no money. Oh, so, uh, Jerry, uh, has to get one. He has Elvis's checkbook, uh, uh-huh. in that old house and they find someone at the Beverly Hills hotel who will <laughs> cash a check for $500. Okay. So they take the $500, they go to LAX, they get on an airplane going to Washington, <laughs> D.C., while they're on the plane, uh-huh. it is uh, late December 1970. The Vietnam War uh, is raging. There are tons of GIs who are now on their way back home. Mm-hmm. Elvis starts talking to them. <gasps> yes. And he uh, meets with one of the GIs and is so taken by his story that he goes back to Jerry. He says, Jerry, where's that $500? <gasps> 
And Jerry goes, I don't know. What are you talking about, Elvis? I don't know. I don't know where it is. He goes, I know you know where it is. I need the $500. Uh, and Jerry goes, that's it. That's all the money that we have right now. We're about to go halfway across, or not halfway, full way across the continent. We need this money. And Elvis goes, I, I can get other money. This this boy needs this money. Oh, my god. And gosh. so he gives, he gives that GI the returning GI from Vietnam, all of the $500. Oh. Uh, Elvis uh, is not the only notable person on this plane going to uh, Los Angeles. There's also the senator from California who's flying coach. Elvis uh-huh. is flying first class. Oh, um, okay. So he, he uh, Elvis meets with Senator George Murphy, and they strike up a conversation. And mm-hmm. this really starts turning the gears in Elvis's head. And Elvis goes back up to his seat, and he pulls out uh, some American Airlines stationery, mm-hmm. and he writes this letter. Mm-hmm. And when he's done writing the letter, he asks um, Jerry to proofread it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and, and read this letter that Elvis <laughs> writes on the plane. Okay. Uh, so Elvis writes, Dear Mr. President, mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the first time Jerry now knows that he's trying to contact the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, dear Mr. President, first, I would like to introduce myself. I am Elvis Presley mm-hmm. and admire you and have great respect for your office. Mm-hmm. I talked to Vice President Agnew in Palm Springs three weeks ago and expressed my concern for our country. Mm-hmm. The drug culture, the hippie elements, the SDS, Black Panthers, etc., do not consider me their enemy, mm-hmm. or as they call it, the establishment. I call it American, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Sir, I can and will be of any service that I can to help the country out. I have no concerns or motives other than helping the country out. Mm -hmm. So I wish not to be given a title or an appointed position. I can and will do more good if I were made a federal agent at large. (gasps) Yes! And I will help out by doing it my way, through my communications with people of all ages. Yes! First and foremost, I am an entertainer. But all I need is the federal credentials. I am on this plane with Senator George Murphy, and we have been discussing the problems that our country is faced with. Sir, I am staying at the Washington Hotel, uh, room 505. I have two men uh, who work with me by the name of Jerry Schilling and Sonny West. I am registered under the name of John Burroughs. I will be there for as long as it takes to get the credentials of a federal agent. I have done an in-depth study of drug abuse and communist brainwashing techniques, and I am right in the middle of the whole thing where I can and will do the most good. Oh my goodness. I am glad to help just so long as it is kept private. You can have your staff or whomever call me any time, today, tonight, or tomorrow. I was nominated this coming year one of America's ten most outstanding young men. Uh, That will be in January 18th in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. I am sending you the short autobiography about myself so you can better understand this approach. I would love to meet you just to say hello if you're not too busy. Respectfully, Elvis Presley. (gasps) P.S. That's amazing. I believe that you, uh, sir, were one of the top ten outstanding men of America also. Uh, I have a personal gift for you, which I would like to present to you, and you can accept it, or I will keep it for you until you can take it. 
So Jerry mm-hmm. Schilling uh, is really just taken aback by by the honesty and the genuineness expressed in the letter. And even though it has some grammatical errors and maybe could have been uh, reworked a couple times, he says, Elvis, I think this is great. And I think that you should um, go ahead and, and, and send this letter. Uh-huh. Uh, so they arrive. Uh in Washington, D.C. in the very early morning hours of Monday, December 21st. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it is pre-dawn. It's still dark outside. And mm-hmm. Elvis is not going to just drop this letter in the mailbox and hope that it gets there. Elvis is going to go to the White House himself. Yes. So before the sun has even rose, uh, there is a, uh, a limousine that pulls up to the northwest gate of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Mm-hmm. And out comes this man that looks like he's dressed like Elvis. Uh, <laughs> he has uh, this dark purple, like almost black, but dark, dark purple uh-huh. uh, velvet suit uh-huh. uh, with cape. Uh, and yes. he's carrying a cane, and uh, he has his sunglasses on, and he approaches the uh, guards at the Northwest Gate yes. and uh, tries to explain that he just wants this letter to be delivered, but the guards have no idea what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, it is way too early to be dealing with any of this. <laughs> so uh, Jerry has to get out of the limousine and kind of cool the situation down and say, please, uh, uh, Mr. Presley just wants this letter to be delivered to uh, the president. Mm -hmm. And so the guards say, well, there's another senator who's coming uh, here at 7 a.m. We will send the letter up with him. Okay. And uh, so Elvis and Jerry get back in the limousine, go to uh, the Washington Hotel. Yes. So now starts where... Uh, this all goes through the Nixon White House. Uh-huh. Uh, so this letter is delivered before 7 a.m. Uh, the Nixon White House started pretty early those days, so around 7 is when everybody's starting to get to work. Uh-huh. And uh, the scheduling aide, the man in charge of the president's schedule, was a man named Dwight Chapin. Mm-hmm. And Chapin receives this letter. And uh, it completely floored. What Elvis wants to meet President Nixon. Why? What? Communist brainwashing? Drugs? What's going on? The federal agent at large? That's not a thing. No one is a federal agent at large. That's not a title that exists. Uh-huh. But this is so good. This, this is, this is, we have to get these two together. Yes. We have to. So Dwight Chapin, uh, he, uh, calls uh, one of the president's aides who is in charge of domestic affairs, who is in charge of really developing the whole drug program. That's what all this is about. It's about getting a narcotics badge. And that is a man named Bud Krogh. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at around 745 in the morning, Dwight Chapin calls Bud Krogh and says, uh, the king is here. Uh, oh. and, uh, uh, Bud goes, uh, I, he, he checks the president's schedule, uh, the king of what, what country? There's no king who's supposed to be here. And <laughs> Dwight, uh, Chapin goes, oh, no, no two bit king, the king, the king of rock and roll, Elvis, <laughs> he's here. He wants to meet the president. And Bud is completely convinced that this is some sort of practical joke, that this, uh, <laughs> there's no way. And so Dwight sends the uh, letter to Bud and Bud's, uh, like, well, 
well, there's a phone number on here. I'll get to the bottom of this. And so he calls the number and he gets the Washington Hotel and he asks for John Burroughs. And when he picks up, uh, the other person picks up the line, it's Jerry Schilling. Uh-huh. Uh, so it is uh, Elvis's uh, friend, confidant. And uh, <laughs> Bud is like, um, I I have this note, and it says that it's written by Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry goes, yes, yes, it was. Uh, the mm-hmm. Elvis wants to meet with the president. And so Bud is like, oh, okay, well, you can't just meet the president. You have to have a preliminary meeting at least first so that we can figure out what this meeting is going to be about. The president's a very busy man. There's oh, a war on. going on, sir. It's Elvis. Uh, so they decide, they get together and they say, okay, um, uh, around nine o'clock, come back to the White House. We'll have a meeting to figure out what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, Elvis has already scheduled another meeting with the uh, deputy director of uh, the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. All right. Uh, to, he wants to get this badge. Uh, the Let's deputy director, uh, Finlater, says, uh, <laughs> I- I'll look into it, but I don't think we're going to be able to get you that badge, sir. Uh, and uh, so Elvis, uh, before he leaves for that meeting, he tells Jerry, stay here in the hotel and wait for the White House to call. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he is so sure that the White mm-hmm. House is going to call. Yeah. And Jerry's like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, but sure enough, Bud Grove calls Jerry, they set up this meeting. So um, around 8.45, 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, Elvis and Jerry and uh, the other guy from the Memphis Mafia, Sonny West, has now arrived from Memphis. And so they all three go to the old executive office building. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have this meeting uh, with Bud Krogh. And Bud is is a huge Elvis fan himself. Uh, mm-hmm. He's uh, anytime you see an interview where he talks about this, he says uh, that um, uh, Elvis helped me through a lot of dates in the 1950s. Uh, I, I never had one without him. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, Bud is the uh, when Elvis starts, he arrives at the old executive office building. He's still not completely sure that this is real, but then he hears the secretaries outside, uh, and it is real. Uh, Elvis is out there. He's kissing a couple of them. Oh, no. Um, uh, Elvis is here. The king is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Bud has this meeting and is completely taken aback that this is the most, you know, powerful man in show business. He wants to meet the president to become a federal agent at large to bust up communist drug cartels and all this stuff. And is just really taken aback by the genuineness of Elvis, how much he loves this country and how much he wants to give back to the country. Yes. Uh, At at one point, Elvis talks about, you know, I I served in the army. And Mm -hmm. uh, Bud said in his mind, yes, I know. And that's where you were in Germany and you met Priscilla and... (laughs) He's like mm-hmm. he kept his cool uh, and just kept it to himself and said and Elvis left and uh, Bud says okay we have to make this meeting happen <laughs> so he writes a memo saying uh, uh, whoa and he writes just anything to try and convince the higher ups to allow this meeting to happen Mm -hmm. so he talks about how well elvis would be a great campaign uh aide and we could uh have him uh help get nixon reelected, and uh we can get elvis to be a part of a musical that says let's get high on life uh 
<laughs> and so he writes all this up and he sends it to Chapin and Chapin, he sends it to Halderman and Halderman gets this and you can actually see it's all part of the National Archives. You can see the memo and in it, uh, Chapin writes to Halderman that um, we've been trying to get Nixon out with younger people. Uh-huh. Uh, let's start with Elvis Presley. Uh-huh. And in the margins, Holderman writes, you must be kidding. <laughs> but then he approves. He approves the meeting. So uh-huh. everything comes back and uh, the president has this open hour towards lunchtime uh, that he uh, has always in his schedule so that he can meet visiting dignitaries. And so they tell Elvis to show back up at 1145. Uh, so uh, they come to the White House. Uh, Bud is sitting in his office, and there's a phone call, and uh, the Secret Service agent is on the other line. They say, Elvis is here. Uh, he has a gun. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, it's a very nice gun, oh, um, no. but we can't allow him to take it in. So uh-huh. Elvis had taken the three guns that he had on him at all times off in the limo before he got uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. But the thing that was on the wall that was the present, mm-hmm. it was a gun. Okay. Uh, so Elvis wanted to give the president this commemorative World War II Colt <gasps> 45 oh. uh, chrome uh, uh, embossed with um, uh, the different battles of the Pacific and uh, these special bullets and everything in this very nice case. Wow. Uh, and there are only five of them made ever. And uh, Elvis had one, and he wanted to give it to the president. And so Bud had to go down and defuse the situation and say, Elvis, we can't let you take this gun into the Oval Office. And Elvis, you, you read it in the letter. He knows that it's a possibility that he right. can give this gun himself. He says, yeah, I can give it to you now, or you can get it at a later time. Uh, so uh, he surrenders the, the gun to the Secret Service agent, and Bud says, uh, this will be uh, in the president's personal things and will probably be on display in his presidential library someday. Mm-hmm. And to this day, you can go to the Nixon library and you can see that gun on display. Wow. So uh, they then get uh, Jerry and Sonny uh, and Elvis into the Roosevelt room and they wait for the president's schedule to open up. And so at 1230, uh, everything comes to uh, pass and uh, Bud takes Elvis into the Oval Office. Uh, And there there it is, the Oval Office, the president of the United States waiting to see Elvis Presley. And uh, they open the door and Elvis hesitates to even walk in. He is so awed by the room. He sees the the eagle that is up in the plaster work of the Oval Office, the eagle that's in the rug, the sconces, everything. He's just this poor boy from Tupelo, Mississippi. And and he's here to talk to the President of the United States. And Bud has to get uh, behind him and and kind of nudge him in his back to go towards the President. And uh, this is Elvis Presley in a purple velvet suit with a cape and a silk shirt that's unbuttoned to his navel and gold (laughs) chains and no one has ever looked like this ever in the white house certainly not in the nixon white house and nixon takes a look at him and he says uh you dress kind of wild don't you son (laughs) and elvis goes "Uh, mr president you have your show and i have mine uh or you have your show to run and i have mine 
so then uh, there's this sort of show and tell period. So Elvis has brought pictures of Lisa Marie and Priscilla to show to the president. And the, oh, that's very nice. Oh, very lovely family, Elvis. And uh, has uh, all these other badges. He has badges from uh, California, from Colorado, from Tennessee, from all these local sheriff's departments mm-hmm. that uh, are he is a deputized uh, officer of these law enforcement agencies. He is dedicated uh, to this cause. Yes. And uh, so he shows them, oh, yes, those are very nice badges. And <laughs> um, uh, he shows him, uh, the, the uh, Spiro Agnew had uh, gone to Palm Springs, California. The vice president, uh, Agnew, had gone to Palm Springs and had met with Elvis uh, at another gathering and had given Elvis some cufflinks. So he shows the cufflinks to the president. And the, wow. Oh, yes, those are very nice cufflinks. And um, then uh, uh, Elvis starts talking about, you know, the the purpose of why he's here, that he's concerned about the country, he's concerned about the uh, un-American things that uh, the bands are saying, that mm-hmm. uh, uh, the uh, uh, the protesters, and that he, he's convinced that it's all about the drug culture and the, the communists are using <laughs> drugs to brainwash the young people. Uh-huh. And uh, he says that, uh, uh, the, that he can help against this, uh, but he has to do it in his own way, that he's going to be able to sing uh, and he's going to be able to heal uh, these young people through uh, his singing. Uh, and and he also says that we must keep this meeting confidential. This must be a private meeting between the two. And Nixon goes, that's a very good idea. That's a very good idea. Uh, he says, you have to maintain your credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, and Elvis says, you know, I, I've been studying a lot about communist brainwashing. Mm-hmm. And Nix goes, you have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, and uh, that, uh, and he talks about that the Beatles, they came to uh, America and they made a whole bunch of money and then they went back to England and they said a whole bunch of un-American things about the war and everything. And mm-hmm. and uh, Nixon goes, they did? Uh, and uh, he looks over to Bud, Bud Krogh, this young little has been there taking notes on the whole thing mm-hmm. and uh bud goes yes sir i'll get right on it sir we're gonna look <laughs> on, about all this uh and uh so uh, elvis talks about this whole situation with communism and the drugs and the youth culture and he says uh mr president i am on your side mm-hmm. and um I just need to have uh, this badge. I need to be made an actual agent of the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. And so uh, he goes through and uh, he says, Mr. President, can you get me this badge as an agent at large, which is, again, not a thing, uh, for the Bureau (laughs) of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs? And this is the president of the United States. He doesn't know every single thing about bureaucracy and about every single agency. So Nixon looks over at his aide, Bud, and he says, well, can we? Can I do that? And and Krogh says, Mr. President, uh, if you want to, we can get him that badge. Mm-hmm. And so Nixon goes, well, I want Elvis to have this badge. Okay. Uh, and Elvis is overjoyed uh, thank course. you so much mr president thank you so much uh, uh I, and he 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 reaches over and he hugs nixon uh <laughs> which was again not a thing this is not a hugging white house the nixon administration uh and he says uh, mr president do you have a moment i want you to meet my friends 
And so uh, Nixon goes, well, do I? Do I have a moment, bud? And Bud's like, yeah, sure. Yes, we can meet the friends. <laughs> and so uh, they uh, send the Secret Service agent to go and find Jerry and Sonny waiting in the Roosevelt room so that they can come in and meet the president. <laughs> uh, and so Jerry and Sonny, they uh, come into the Oval Office. And again, just like Elvis, they are awed by the place. Uh, this is the executive office, the place where the president lives and works and uh, uh, the Eagles every Everywhere, and they kind of walk in like they're not supposed to be there. Uh -huh. And uh, Jerry talks about how crazy it was that Elvis is the one who opens the door. <laughs> Elvis opens the door to the Oval Come on in, guys. And they kind of step into the, the side of the room, and they kind of hang towards the wall. And Nixon is working at the desk. He's signing the things that need to happen for Elvis to get this badge. And uh, so Elvis is now the one who kind of ushers them in and pats them on the back and pushes them towards the uh, Wilson desk uh, in the Oval Office. And uh, Elvis goes, uh, Mr. President, uh, these are my friends. Like, they're already on, on talking turn. Like, hey, uh, my friend, this is my other friends. Meet my friends. <laughs> and uh, Nixon gets up from the desk and he looks at these two guys who are the Memphis Mafia. These guys meant to protect uh, Elvis. They're big guys. And, and Nixon uh, goes over to them and and uh, he uh, kind of uh, taps one uh, with his fist. Uh, uh, he, he taps uh, Sonny uh, on the <laughs> side of his arm. He says, you've got some mighty big boys here. Elvis uh, <laughs> look like football players uh, and uh, you, do, do you take care of uh, of Mr. Presley you take care of Elvis uh, yes sir yes we, we, we do sir and um, they get pictures together in the Oval Office and then uh, well it's time for everyone to go and the way that uh, you get people to get out of the Oval Office is you give them gifts so uh, Nixon reaches into the desk on uh, the bottom left drawer are all these gifts that you can give and uh -huh. they're ballpoint pins and they're golf balls oh, and they're in order uh, of ascending order so it goes from uh, ballpoint pins to 24 karat gold brooches and oh. uh, cufflinks yes. and uh, so uh, he starts reaching into the drawer to give things and he gives uh, some of the nicer brass tie clips and things and and uh, Elvis follows him over to the desk <laughs> and he reaches in and finds the gold things and and he starts passing them out oh, and and and, okay. uh, and so after Nixon had given uh, some of the stuff to Jerry and Sonny he goes now remember Mr. President they have wives <gasps> and sweethearts oh I love this there's so much that's good here and so, uh, oh, yes, you're very right. And so then they go in, they find the other gold brooches and things. And Elvis is just loading up into each pocket, tons of things. Uh, Bud talks about how Elvis is doing his Christmas shopping. Ooh, and, no. and Nixon's just looking at and he finds, well, take as much as you want. There's plenty more where all that comes from. <laughs> and so uh, Elvis gets all these gifts in each of his pockets of his purple velvet suit. And uh, and, and Nixon goes, uh, you, you can look in there all you want but uh what you really want uh, uh won't be in that drawer and that's th that's the badge uh, but i've made arrangements for you to get that badge and uh elvis says yes sir thank you sir and once again he gives him this huge double-armed bear hug now to richard nixon <laughs> who who just stiffens up and locks his arms but then uh, you, you have no choice but to uh, uh submit to this elvis <laughs> hug and there, there's just a smile that comes on his face and uh then uh, they leave uh they leave the office and they go to the white house mess hall because elvis tells bud krogh 
I'm not leaving the White House until I get the badge. So oh, they go okay. to the mess hall and they have their lunch and Bud takes them on a tour uh, of the White House and uh, they, they go to the situation room, the actual situation room where the president and the cabinet meet during all these crises. And Elvis can't help but think of Dr. Strangelove of the movie. Uh-huh. And uh, when they're in the situation room, Elvis shouts out, uh, gentlemen, there's no fighting in the war room. Uh, because Elvis loved Dr. Strangelove and he could quote all of these lines over and over again and do all of the voices and everything. Uh, and then every secretary they passed, uh, Elvis gave a kiss. Okay. Uh, Whether they wanted it or not. <laughs> uh, they, they wanted it. I bet. Uh, so uh, then uh, after lunch, uh, the badge is delivered over and it is uh, a badge from the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs made out to Elvis Presley, has his name on it. Uh, Elvis had lots of badges, mm-hmm. but this badge he always had on him at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, When you go to Graceland, you can see uh, all of the awards that Elvis ever got in this great hall, all the gold records, everything. And towards the end, you can see this badge and you can see how worn the leather is around it mm-hmm. because of how many times Elvis would pull it out and show it to people and that he carried it with him at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, Elvis was uh, supremely honored to have been able to get this badge. Uh, Whether there's some scenario where uh, Elvis found some communist trying to give drugs to somebody in the Hollywood (laughs) Hilton uh, and Elvis karate chopped him, uh, that's never come out if that happened. But I certainly hope that it did. Yes, Uh, me too. What's amazing about this is that this they both agreed during the meeting that this could that this should be kept secret, top mm-hmm. secret. The Nixon supporters should know about this. The Elvis fans should know about this, that they wouldn't understand the friendship that these two had uh, struck up here. Mm-hmm. And it was kept a secret for mm-hmm. 13 months. For a year and one month, mm-hmm. this was kept totally secret. Mm-hmm. Things leaked out of the Nixon White House all the time. Really important things about uh, uh, troop movements and uh, about all sorts of things that were important to national security leaked all the time. Mm-hmm. But this Elvis Presley walking through the middle of the executive office building, no one said a word. Mm. But then... Uh, The man who was the deputy director of the Bureau of Narcotics uh, and Dangerous Drugs, he wrote a memoir. And in the memoir, he talked about how Elvis got this badge, that the president made him give this badge to Elvis. Mm -hmm. And then that got leaked into the press, and that's how everyone Mm. found out about it. Uh, And once again... The photo of these two meeting, the most requested photo in the history of the National Archives of the United States. Wow. Um, And their relationship did not end there. Uh While they never met in person again, they kept in touch. Uh, So uh, after August of 1974... Richard Nixon had resigned the White House. Uh, He, uh, under so much stress of the Watergate scandal and everything, he uh, developed uh, this uh, life-threatening phlebitis. Mm. And he was kept in a a hospital in Long Beach, California. And during that stay, when Nixon had no friends, when no one uh, uh, would be even seen with him, talk Mm -hmm. to him, Elvis is the one who gave him a phone call. Wow. And Elvis called and said, Mr. President, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you, that I'm praying for you, uh, that I hope that you everything turns out all right. Hmm. 
Two years later, in 1976, Elvis, he has a bout in the hospital. Richard Nixon calls the hospital and talks to Elvis. Elvis, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you, that I'm praying for you, that I hope everything comes out all right. Um, it, by the time you get to the late uh, 80s, getting into the early 90s, and Nixon is really talking about his um, legacy, uh, and everyone wants to talk about what was it like? What was it like to meet Elvis? Uh, and Nixon uh, says uh, that Elvis was a flamboyant but very shy man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that... Um, uh, that he never used, that a lot of people were talking about, you know, you gave him this badge, but he died from drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nixon said uh, he never took illegal drugs. All of those drugs that were given to him were prescribed by a doctor. Yeah. Uh, and now that doctor may have been crooked, but Elvis was not doing the dangerous drugs that we were talking about in uh, the administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he reflected on Elvis as a very sincere and decent man. Uh, and then... Uh, what I think is also just uh, a truly uh, a great example of their relationship and of Nixon's own sense of humor, mm-hmm. uh, which not a whole lot of people uh, give him credit for. Uh, Bud Krogh wrote a book about the day that Elvis met Nixon. And mm-hmm. he wrote this book in 1993. And uh, in April of 94, it's going out to the press. And Nixon writes a foreword to the book. Ooh. He writes this letter. And he says, um, to fans of the king, I am pleased to congratulate Bud Krogh on the publication of his book, The Day That Elvis Met Nixon. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we met in the Oval Office in December 1970, I was greatly impressed by Elvis's sincerity as he described his concerns about the negative influence on young people during the turbulent era of the Vietnam War. Uh, He then continues on and says... It remains to be seen, however, uh, whether the author of The Day Elvis Met Nixon will be rewarded enough uh, to be able to arrange for Elvis to appear at a book signing. Signed, Richard Nixon, April 14, 1994. This was one of the last letters Nixon ever wrote. Mm -hmm. He died eight days later. Wow. Uh, So... Just a a phenomenal uh, thing in American history that these two men, probably the most influential men of politics and culture of the latter half of the 20th century, uh, met that even though they were of completely different worlds, saw the um, congruities in each other, that mm-hmm. they, they were both two poor farm boys mm-hmm. from Yorba Linda from Tupelo, Mississippi, who through their own hard work and through the opportunities afforded them in the United States, uh, were able to come to the very heights of power um, and uh, that they both wanted to give back to their country in their own ways. And we can uh, certainly debate about uh, how uh, well they did so, um, but that's what their intentions were uh, and uh, that that they they did get along and that they uh, saw each other uh, and met and had this great meeting. And I think there's so much uh, that shows that this was uh, this was in the stars. Uh, I think starting with the day of that there uh, that we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not so sure about all the romantic stuff, um, well. but 
that there uh, good communication, uh, that there is entertainment as work, uh, benevolent and entertaining, extravagant. Those are all things mm-hmm. that go along with Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- there's communication about business and home, and that it has to be secret business, uh, an emphasis on groups of people. That all this meeting had to be kept secret. They were trying to hide this meeting, but they were trying to help the American people through this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, that the two uh, would communicate well. Uh, that this would be good for Elvis's career and that they would be good at working together. That Elvis would be honored to meet the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that uh, Nixon brought a sort of paternal energy to this meeting mm-hmm. uh, and Elvis very honored and that there's creativity with nurturing and power. Uh, this was a very significant day in Elvis's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that uh, for Nixon, this was a day of unexpected change. Uh, <laughs> unexpected things happen. All, all that uh, makes uh, so much sense for this uh, very interesting day. Yes, I I didn't know where we were going when we first started with this. And um, uh, wow. I mean, I do feel this unusual um, situation, almost like maybe these two men knew each other in a past life in different circumstances. I, I don't know, but I do love that they were both farm boys and that Nixon recognized that. You know what I mean? Like, even though this man is extravagant and flamboyant, he's shy. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that, or I can't remember which thing, because I was so enthralled with everything you said. But um, just really an amazing moment in time, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, Elvis is just felt so cordial and that's what i it was just so cordial so easy uncomplicated you know and just and just uh uh said you know this this is what i i need to do I need to do this and um <laughs> the part where you know you're saying where he yeah and he was gonna wait wait and not leave until he had the badge which is mm-hmm. amazing it's very awesome i love it it's perfect it's a very, very wonderful story, Chandler. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. very good. Most people uh, don't know that. I think most people have seen that picture. I think mm-hmm. that even, I don't know if even children see that in history class, maybe. But, I mean, it is a very famous picture. I know that people, a lot of people know it happened, but I doubt that they know this amazing story that you've told that is, you know, surrounding this photo. Yeah, and uh, I would encourage everyone to, um, you can look up YouTube videos of Bud Krogh and Jerry Schilling sitting together uh, for the first time in 45 years uh, to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, how this meeting came to pass. It's a very interesting uh, video that they did together. And uh, since then, uh, the... Elvis guys have gone over to the presidential library in California Mm -hmm. and uh, the Nixon guys have gone to the Memphis uh, gatherings uh, Mm -hmm. uh, for Elvis and they're talking about this. Um, uh, It's a, it's a fascinating story and a real uh, little snapshot of Americana in uh, the early 1970s. 
Very awesome channel. Really good. Thank you. I think on our scale of right on the money to way out in outer space, uh, as much as this meeting may have been way out in outer space, (laughs) uh, I think that the readings all here were very much right on the money. This was uh, all the things that were going on uh, for both of these men uh, in their... uh, they're meeting each other on this uh, on this winter solstice. Wow! Thank you. Uh, well, that just about wraps things up for this uh, very special episode of uh, History and Retrograde. We'd like to thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, we have uh, links posted in the show description to our social media accounts, to our YouTube page, which is getting added to every month. I mean, every every week <laughs> and every month, uh, probably for a while. <laughs> we have a back catalog there. Um, and then uh, if you would like to uh, support uh, the channel... Uh, we also have a link to our PayPal account. Every little bit helps us in creating a better quality show, expanding our audience. And if you would like to be your very own Mystery History guest, we can make that happen. We have a link posted uh, to uh, Chandler's mom at historyandretrograde.com. Uh, you can email her and she can get with you about all the details on uh, how to get your chart read. Yes, and I'm loving meeting all the people. And I don't know if everybody knows, but I do Zoom meetings and go through your chart with you. And um, it's a lot of fun. And so I thank everyone who's already had their chart done. And I look forward to the ones that are about to have their charts done. And just send me an email. I love to hear from you. Uh, And also, uh, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, uh, please uh, give us a rating. Uh, This is a podcast all about stars, uh, so we would really appreciate uh, those five-star ratings and uh, leave a comment on uh, your uh, review of the show. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. As always, in conclusion, as long as uh, your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.